So this morning we are in uh, a series, we've been in this series called Summer in the Psalms. And uh, if you've been following us these last few weeks, we've, uh, we've really been taking a psalm each week. And it's interesting, you've probably figured this out by now, or if you've been reading through the Psalms before in your own quiet time, you figured this out, that Psalms kind of fits and follows a distinct pattern, right? The Psalm writer, every Psalm writer we have, they have this experience with God, right? They're they're experiencing God on a personal level. They experience God, and then they go and they write down about that experience. They write down what God's doing in their life through that experience, and then they go and they proclaim what they wrote. They proclaim it usually through song, but they're proclaiming the experience that they've had with God. And this is kind of what we've been seeing every Sunday so far this summer. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of the Psalms you read and you're like, man, this is so upbeat, this is so energetic, this is so exciting. And then there's some Psalms, if we're going to be quite honest, that are very difficult. That the psalmist gets taken through a time in their life with God for whatever reason that is very difficult, very hard, and there's a lot of suffering associated with their life or with a season of their life. We know this is true in the life of David. We, we studied that back in May. And, and, and if we were honest, this is true by many of the Psalms that are written. This idea of suffering and difficulty that sometimes the Lord allows into our life. You know, it's funny, today we have a great opportunity. Many of us are going to celebrate today the birth of our country. And for a lot of us, we're going to leave this place this afternoon and we're going to go to a cookout, maybe to the lake or to a pool. And it's going to be a lot of celebration today, a lot of food, a lot of fun. And, and as great as that is, and, and I'm going to be doing that as well, if we were honest, the majority of our lives, we would not consider as just day after day after day a birthday party, day after day after day a celebration. Most of our lives are not, that. that's just not the reality. That today is a special day, but for most of us, we don't live in the reality of that kind of celebration every day because difficulty comes into our lives. Hardship comes into our lives. And I would, bear, I would dare say that in this room this morning, and this is what I want you to think about, that there are many of you in the room right now that we might not know your full story, but you're in a season of suffering right now. You're in a season of suffering right now. And the question is, what is it that God wants to do in and through that suffering and in and through that hardship? We will suffer in this life, which brings me uh, to introducing uh, my guest this morning. I'm going to ask Lydia to come back up here. Can we give her a hand as she comes on up? I about took your seat. We had a little change up here just a second ago. Uh, Lydia, Lydia Earls. Uh, is the wife of Will Earls. Will is right here on the front row. I love you, dude. You're like right here supporting your wife. Could you just raise your hand just so people see you? This is Will and Lydia. Yeah, we can give Will a hand. He's a good guy. This is uh, Will and Lydia Earls. 
And they actually lead our, our young adult connect group here at Pleasant City Church. And uh, they do an incredible job leading those young adults. There's college and career, uh, college and career, career group. It's a great group. Um, Lydia is a part of that. Uh, if you will recall, several months ago, we actually were going to interview and hear your story, Lydia, several months ago. But God had other plans with a massive storm in Atlanta, right? Yeah, that, yeah that's kind of how that went. Uh, and so at the last minute, we kind of had to change things up. But we wanted to hear what God has been doing in Lydia's life uh, this, this month. One of the things I love... Um, what I love about Lydia is she's also a worship leader, and she's been leading here from our stage uh, for several months now. Uh, she's a musical recording artist, uh, and actually her handles are here on the screen. Um, she's actually uh, been publishing music or putting out music, uh, 40,000 streams, right, on Spotify? Current single, yeah. Yeah, yeah current single, 40,000 streams on Spotify. So she's getting a lot of play right now on Spotify and all of that. Um, she's actually in negotiations right now with a record label. And, um, and, and this is who Lydia is. Um, even the song you just, sang, or you just sang just a few minutes ago, the song we all heard, this is a song that you recently wrote. And I want us to start this morning with, with talking a little bit about that. Like where... How did this song come into being? Where did this come from? Yeah, so it was a little hard to sing. Um, last year, my siblings and I experienced a pretty major tragedy that involved my mother, and I released this song during that time. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your mom. <sighs> my mom. Um, she very, she's very outgoing, very outspoken. Um, she absolutely loves Starbucks. Like, she would have six shots of espresso with ice, like, every day. Um, yeah. Um, she loved going to the movie theaters by herself, and I don't know if that was, like, a money thing or if she just didn't want to be with her kids. I think it was probably that. Um, she, uh, her and my dad adopted myself and my seven siblings. Um, there's eight of us total. And um, they actually fostered over 30 kids together. Um, and she actually won a national award, Angels of Adoption Award, um, recently. And um, her ministry, she was put on this earth to teach kids about Jesus. She ministered thousands of kids and led hundreds of those kids to Christ. She would put on these really big festivals in our city um, in Iowa. And... Um, she would just share the gospel, and she would drag all of, all of us along with her to do it. So that's my mom. Yeah. And I love this picture. This is uh, at your wedding? Yes. Yeah. This is, uh, this is Lydia's mom. What was her name again? Lisa. Lisa, thank yeah. you. Um, this is Lisa. Tell us a little bit. Um, tell us what happened a year ago. So, um, like I said, um, I'm adopted, and the rest of my siblings are also adopted. Um, my oldest brother, Paul, he's about 30, 31 years old. Um, uh, we grew up pretty uh, known in our city. We were just a big family. Like, we were homeschooled. We did a lot of stuff in church and in the city, so we were pretty well known. Um, so, on the outside, we looked like a very happy, great family. Um, but inside, it was really just full of brokenness and abuse and um, 
darkness, really. Um, and so my oldest brother, Paul, he started going down a really bad path um, pretty early on. I, I would say like 12, 13 years old. He was getting into drugs and um, alcohol and was joining gangs and all that kind of stuff. And eventually he um, left the house at 17 and then he um, was in Virginia for a little bit and then ended up living in Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, so like I said, our, ho our home was not all rosy. Um, last year, April 14th, I was out with Will and my youth leader called me and um, I was a little confused why he called because I hadn't spoken to him for a while and he just kept calling, kept calling, kept calling and so I answered and he said, has your little sister um, called you, gotten a hold of you? And I thought, no, why would she, why would she call me? And he said, apparently your brother flew from South Carolina to Iowa and stabbed your mom and your sister. And I said, okay. Um, and his voice was really calm, so I was just thinking like it was an accident, it was on the hand or something like that. Um, and so I called my little sister. Uh, her name is Zoe. She was 17 at the time. And she was at the police station by herself and she was crying and everything. And I was like, what, what happened? What's going on? And she just kept saying, you know, he, he was stabbing them, he was stabbing them. And I was like, well, is everybody okay? And she didn't really know. And so I said, okay, I need to call my brother Ian. Ian lives in Shelby. He's been going to Pleasant City for a while now. Um, so I called him just to kind of let him know, hey, apparently like, Paul flew to Iowa and something happened, I don't know. And when I was on the phone with Ian, my little sister called me back and she was really broken down and she just kept saying, mom didn't make it, mom didn't make it. And so um, I really just fell to the ground, um, was in tears obviously. And we got on a plane about four hours later to go to Iowa. Um, when we got there, after talking with detective after detective and police officers and lawyers and all that kind of stuff and my siblings, we kind of pieced everything together. My brother had gotten a plane ticket and he didn't tell anybody. He flew from South Carolina to Iowa. He stayed with my older sister Susie at her apartment. And then the next day, my sister Susie was like, hey, mom would love to see you. Like, you know, we're glad that you're here. So she called my mom and my mom dropped everything and went over with my little sister to the apartment. And um, when they were there, my brother was just being really, it, there was just a lot of tension between him and my mom. Like my mom wanted to give him a hug and he wouldn't even hug her. Um, so there's just a lot of tension and no one really knew why. Um, and so they had some pizza and it was just small talk. Well then eventually my brother had went to the kitchen and grabbed a knife. And he had my two sisters and my mom sit down on the couch and he had them hostage for about an hour. He was having them do um, just some really odd things. Like he was having them put certain colors in a pile He's being really disrespectful to my mom, like he would tell her to take off her jewelry and put it on him. Um, he like poured a cup of milk on her. He was just being really disrespectful to her. And um, eventually he had said, all right, mom, I'm ready for that hug. 
and my mom got up to give him a hug, and he stabbed her in the chest three times. And um, my mom fell back on my little sister, and my little sister tried to get up, and when she got up, he slammed her into the wall. Um, and then my older sister, you know, was trying to get away too, and he stabbed her once in the chest and once in the arm. They were eventually able to get out of the, of the room, um, and my sister ended up falling down the steps and she dislocated her knee. So she was stabbed twice with a dislocated knee, um, and she was trying to get away. And my little sister, Zoe, she was able to get out of the apartment complex and she ran into the street and was trying to flag down somebody. Um, and she eventually was able to stop a woman. And she told the woman what happened. That woman was the person that called the police. Um, and then the police came and my brother was arrested. Yeah. And this is pretty, pretty crazy stuff. I mean, if we're going to be honest, you know, you have what, what you would consider common tragedy, things that you hear about all the time, things that every normal like situation people face. This is very uncommon, right? And so you're hearing all of this. What are you going through in those moments? Like what, what kind of emotions, not just those moments, but like this is something that's spanned a year now, what have you been feeling? Like, what, what kind of emotions are you, have you been going through? Lots of emotions. <laughs> um, so the first emotion that I had was just confusion. Like, why did this happen? And we still really don't have, you know, those answers. Um, why did it happen? And my little sister had said that my mom um, was praying, like, that entire time. And so I know that there was a lot of, there was something really spiritual happening there. And I was just really confused with, you know, why wasn't she able to cast out the demons and, and just that kind of stuff. And so my first emotion that I felt was confusion. And then after that was anger, I was really, really, really mad at God. I felt like God failed me. He failed my, my siblings, but he definitely failed my mom. Um, I didn't really understand how someone who is, has been doing so much stuff for him in our city in Iowa um, with sharing the gospel with all these kids, why he would allow something like that to happen. Um, and not only just happen, but that it happened from her son. And so I was really, really upset with that. Um, and actually it got to the point where I didn't even want to read my Bible. Um, there was a time I was, it was a really dark, really dark time. And I was in the shower, I was sobbing and I had to ask Will if he could read scripture over me because I just couldn't do it. Um, then that anger turned into a very hard heart. I didn't care to pray. I didn't care to read my Bible. Um, there was actually one time where, uh, when we had just gotten to Sioux City after um, mom had died, we were staying with my pastor in Iowa. We were staying at his house. And as soon as we got into Iowa, I just felt this really dark, heavy presence. Um, but this night in particular, it was just super heavy. And so I asked Will, I said, can you go get my pastor? And so Pastor Gene came down and I told him, I said, I feel like I've just been in this battle. I have my shield, my sword, my, my shoes. And, you know, depression comes, knock it down. Sexual abuse comes, knock it down. Any other kind of abuse comes, knock it down. Just things that I've dealt with in my life. 
I've been able to have like this victory um, through Christ alone. Um, and now I feel like this bomb just went off and my shield is nowhere to be found. My sword's nowhere to be found. My helmet's gone and I'm just laying there like bare and exposed. And I told him, I said, I don't know how to get my armor. And he said, well, Jesus is going to be the one to bring you your armor. And I thought, oh, that's so great. That just gives me so much hope. Well, then when I would feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to be in his presence and to read my Bible and all that kind of stuff, because of my hard heart, I just didn't care. And then that led to guilt because of the strong Christian that I have been and how when things would come up in my life, how I would be able to really just press into God. And in this circumstance, I was not able to. I just had a lot of guilt from that. Um, I really dealt with how, how was I supposed to act and how should I act um, as a Christian? What should be my Christian response to this tragedy? And it was just, it was a lot of guilt. And then that guilt led to just, well, it doesn't matter anyways. Life is meaningless. We all die, like whatever, it's, it's fine. Um, so I just really re recycled through those emotions over a long period of time. And actually, I'm still working through those emotions today. Yeah, and I mean, I think something to consider for all of us is this isn't even over yet. Like, this hasn't even been resolved, right? Yeah, so we actually... Um, Paul was arrested, my brother. He was arrested um, April 14th when it happened. And he's been in Sioux City in the jail there. Um, but we just had his trial like a month ago. Um, and we don't even have the verdict yet. His attorneys and um, psychiatrists are trying to um, go for the insanity plea. Like he didn't know right from wrong at that time. But ours are proving that he did based on the evidence that we have. Um, and so, yeah, this is still ongoing. It's still very fresh. Um, and again, it's just recycling through all those emotions. And something that one of my mentors, Ginger, has been teaching me is acknowledging all of those feelings and emotions, just not affirming those. Yeah. And I think this is a, uh, it's not really a misconception. I think most of us know this, that that's not this, when, when tragedy and suffering comes, especially in the sense of tragedy, in the sense of loss, we, we hear this a lot. We, maybe not like this, but it's this idea of, okay, I just need to get over this, right? And the truth is, do, do you ever get over something like this? I don't really know how you can, to yeah. be honest. I mean, when we were at the trial, that's when we found out that my brother had actually stabbed my mom 14 times, not just three times. So when my sisters had left, he was still just, stabbing her. Um, and so, no, like, I don't think that you can ever get over tragedy. Um, I think you just learn how to handle those emotions and process those things and really just surrender them to Christ. So here we, here we have you, Lydia. You're in this place that's, quite frankly, a very dark place. Your whole family is dealing with this kind of brutal murder. You're in this dark place. Um, Will's reading scripture over you. And you're in this spot, and then comes in Psalm 42. And, you know, we just read this right here from stage just a few minutes ago, Psalm 42. Tell us a little bit about how Psalm 42 came into the picture in your life during this time. So last summer, I was able to um, 
be in a mentorship with Dara McLean. She's a recording artist, amazing worship leader. She's just, she's awesome. Um, and she, we were talking about these emotions and everything, and she was like, I just really think you need to read through Psalm. And I was like, okay, like, let me just do my Christian duty, whatever. So I was reading through Psalms, and I was just so mad because, like, David, he'd be, like, venting to God, like, you left me, God. You know, I, my soul's cast down. And I'm like, yeah, David, you tell him. And then he would always, like, end up, like, being just full of hope and praising God at the end. And I just was not able to do that at that time. And so it kind of, like, frustrated me a little bit. But I was able to just keep reading. And when I got to Psalm 42, um, a lot of things really jumped out and the Holy Spirit really began to work on, on my heart. So starting in verse 7 of Psalm 42, it says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls and your breakers and your waves have gone over me. I remember telling um, my music mentor at that time that it just felt like wave after wave of despair. Like I just could not catch my breath at all. And I kind of think that David kind of felt the same way here. Verse 8, it says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Verse 9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? I think that this is super interesting. So David acknowledges who God is, and he acknowledges truth. He says, you are my rock. So that's truth. But then he follows that truth up with an emotion. He mm -hmm. says, you are my rock. Why have you forgotten me? And so I think it's just really interesting how we can know truth, but there's this internal battle between the truth of God's word and our flesh. And then he goes on to say, why do I go on mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemy? Yes, because of the oppression of the enemy. Satan wants to distort our image of God. Mm. He wants to make us affirm those feelings and say, that's truth. Yeah, you know God, you're rock, but he's forgotten you. That's the truth. And I think that's exactly what's happening here, and that was what, that's what was happening in my life as well. Verse 10 says, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. Why they say to me all day long, where is your God? And this, when I read that, it brought me back to that, um, that little story that I was telling my pastor with the whole being in a battle and feeling like I don't have my armor and everything. I felt like when I was laying there bare and exposed without my armor, that the enemy was just like taunting me, like laughing, like, what are you going to do now? You don't have anything to protect yourself. And so I thought that was very interesting that... Again, David felt the same way. Then verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So there's two things with this that I think are super interesting. The first thing is that David's not talking to God. And he's not talking to him like a friend here. He's talking to himself. Mm. And... There are times that you have to preach over yourself. And there might be a time where, you know, you need your Bible, you need to read your Bible, but you don't have it physically there with you. 
or you don't have someone there to read scripture over you. That's why it's important to have the word already in you, memorize scripture, because then the Holy Spirit brings that to your mind and renews your mind and you're constantly preaching over yourself. And you might not even know that that's what's happening, but it's almost like the Holy Spirit is like nursing you back to health, really. And so we see here that David is just preaching over himself. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you within turmoil within me? And then he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And this was like the dinger for me. This is what really just drew me to this passage, was he said, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's okay if you, like, if you can't. I couldn't. I think David here couldn't. But that's why God is so great, because God is able to, he's bigger than your emotions, and he's bigger than an attitude, mm. and he's patient, mm. and he will constantly, continuously just draw you to him and draw you to him. And that's what happened in my life. I mean, I was in a very, very dark place where I was close to just given up and it was just the the holy spirit just constantly bringing up these verses that i memorized when i was five just stuff like that to mind and that was preaching to myself um so that's kind of where psalm 42 came from yeah and the song even that you just sang uh that really came if i'm understanding correctly that came really written after this tragedy, you're in the process of this tragedy. How yeah. do these things connect in your life? Psalm 42 and the song you just sang. So the first, I don't know if y'all could tell because I was a hot mess when I was singing it, but the first line of that song is, um, first it's calm, then I'm stuck inside a war zone. It's a mess, but it almost feels like my home. And then the second um, verse, the first part of the second verse says, here's my flag, like I surrender, watch the white fly in the wind, you pick me up and clean the dirt off my skin. And so with the song that I wrote, it's kind of expressing like this, hey, my life feels like a war zone right now, but at the end, I'm going to keep on running and pressing into Christ. And so I think that's the theme of a lot of psalms here is I can't breathe, life is crazy, I'm going through like this crazy suffering, but God, but I will hope in you, but I will praise you again. Yeah, and he's proclaiming that, the psalmist there is proclaiming that in, in hope, right? Like he doesn't see that. He's not seeing that in that moment. He's seeing that, he's really telling himself to do that, right? Mm. Uh, I love that. Um, so really in this room this morning, you're one of three people. And uh, we kind of talked a little bit about this the other day. Um, you're, everyone in this room is one of three people. You either just recently have come out of major trauma, major tragedy in your life, hardship, suffering. You, you just kind of just now got on the other side of it. Or maybe you're in this room and you're in the midst of it right now. Like you're, you're, you know right now just things are tough in your life. And, and your suffering might not look the same as Lydia's suffering this last year. But here's the truth. You're facing tragedy and suffering and loss and hardship in your life. Or maybe you're the third person. Maybe everything is just awesome right now. And things are going great. 
And here's the truth and the reality. And this is not a downer. This is just where we find ourselves in the nature of life and in a fallen world. Maybe everything's great and good right now, but the truth of the matter is the reality of life is you will go through another hardship. You will have hardship and suffering coming your way. Yeah, sorry. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to have mentors and people to disciple you in your life because you are one of those three people. Um, I feel like I have the best mentors on the planet, uh, Susie Terrace and Ginger Oriente. Uh, Ginger just went to the trial with me. She flew to Iowa to sit in the courtroom with my family um, and was there to support us through that. Last year, I remember this like, like it was yesterday. Um, I had gotten my mom's prayer journal and I was reading it and I mean, she was praying for us all the time. It kind of made me a little like sad. I was like, my mom must have thought we was just some crazy kids because she was praying so much for us. But um, so I had her prayer journal, I was reading through it and I just felt like I was supposed to be the spiritual leader now of our family just because my parents divorced, my dad's not in the picture. Um, and I just felt all of this pressure because I couldn't even pray for myself. And I remember talking to Susie about that and she was like, send me a list, send me their names, they're covered in prayer, mm-hmm. you don't have to carry that burden. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was huge. I think that's why it's so important to have mentors and people to disciple you and speak life into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, you're one of those three people. Or I told Jonathan, sometimes you're all of them at the same time. <laughs> I felt like I was all of them. <laughs> yeah, coming out going in, in the middle and going <laughs> in. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. We, this is not in any of our notes. I don't think we talked at all about this, so I'm not going to put you on the spot. But um, it's weird that the minute we start talking about this, we think of this from the perspective of you because that's who we've been talking about and, and your perspective and your reaction through all of this. And uh, I tell you, when you think about this, you know, just for a minute, let's think about this from the perspective of your mom, Lisa. Yeah. And, um, you know, looking at this, you know, she, we, it's funny, we just had a moment last week, one more, one less project. And we talked a little bit about adoption and foster care and all of that. And one of the questions that, you know, I, I think we could ask her today was, was all of this suffering worth it? Oh, yeah. And she would look you straight in the face and say it was. Yeah. And there's power in that, right? There's power in the fact that we were meant in this world, we will have suffering, right? John 16, 33, I believe, but take heart. You will have trouble in this world. Take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And uh, man, what a powerful testimony there to, to see a woman who's devoted her entire life to following Jesus and discipling children to adulthood. And ultimately, let's, let's, not, let, let's call it what it is. She basically was a martyr for the, for the sake of the gospel. What a powerful testimony. And I think it's, it's after all that happened, um, I really struggled with like the whole praying thing, like how my little sister Zoe was like, she was praying, she's praying, she's praying. And for the longest time, I was thinking, oh, she was probably praying like, you know, for the demon to leave or whatever, and you know, their safety. And then after a while, I was like, hmm. my mom was praying for her son 
Like, she was not praying for her safety. She was praying for whatever was going to happen that the Lord would, would take hold of him. Mm. And so I think that's a testimony. Because yeah. I don't know if I could say the same thing if I was put in that situation, if I'd be praying for the person that was killing me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, obviously, for a fact, no one really knows what she was praying, but just her character, I think she definitely was. Yeah. And so I want us to end with, with really what verse 11 says. It says, I'm going to read it again. I know we've read it several times. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And where are you in turmoil within me? This is what you were saying, Lydia. He's, the psalmist is talking to himself, right? He's, he's telling himself what's going on. And he's basically going to command himself here what he needs to do. He says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You know, you said this, but just the fact that he's preaching really to himself. And he doesn't just say this in verse 11. Verse 5 is identical. He says the exact same thing in verse 5 and verse 11. That when you're down, when, you're, when your soul is in turmoil, when it's cast down, these three words, I love them, hope in God. Hope in God. We talked about this this week, um, but it's so easy for us when we, when we face suffering, when we face hardship, it's so easy for us to hope in the outcome, right? Hoping in that the outcome will get better. You know, I, I lost my job, so I'm going to hope in the outcome that I'll get a new job, or I lost this, and I'm going to hope in the outcome that this happens in the future. And for a lot of us, that's where we find our hope. We put our hope in the outcome. And there's nothing wrong with, with looking towards the outcome and being positive. But I love this because it doesn't say here, hope in the outcome, hope in the future. It doesn't say that. It says, hope in God. Because you hear a story like this, and, and on this side of heaven, there's not resolution. There's not hope in a future outcome. We, we don't have a, a, a hope in a future outcome on this side of eternity. But our hope is not in a future outcome. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is where the psalmist puts his hope. This is where Lydia has put her hope. Not in a future outcome, because we don't know what's going to come of that trial. We don't know if justice is going to be served. We don't know how all of that's going to shake out. We don't know the aftermath in your family and even, even still the aftermath that's going and the turmoil going on in you. But what we can hope for and what we can hope in is not a future outcome, but in a person, in the person of Jesus Christ. It was so funny. I was, uh, this week I was uh, in a, a situation and there was a little tragedy that was happening um, and I was with some people and uh, one of the ladies that was praying, we were praying about a, a, a situation that was going on. One of the ladies that was praying uh, actually prayed, Lord, we just pray for this step that we're taking forward. And it was interesting because the step forward was suffering. It was hardship. It was, it was a trial that they were in. And it's so funny because we think about when trials come, we think of it as a step back, right? We think, okay, we're stepping back. Oh, we're falling down, all of this. But I love what she said. She said, we just need your help. We just need your hope in this step forward. And that's, that's a powerful thing to think about. That in the suffering that you're facing today, in the trial that you're facing today, it's not a step back, 
If we're with Christ, it's a step forward. That we're leaning in and we're saying, God, we don't know why we're going through this suffering. We don't know why we're going through this trouble and why we're going through this hardship. But we can lean in because our hope is in you. And man, that is a powerful thing to think about this morning. And so I want to just thank you, Lydia. I, I know that there's a lot here um, and a lot to unpack. But we, we felt as a staff that this was such a powerful thing to, to share with people that, that there is hope in Christ. No matter what kind of tr trial or trouble you face in life, there's hope in Christ. And this story I know is very vulnerable for you to share, but I just want to thank you this, this morning for just sharing that and just being real with us this morning. Yeah. So, so if you're here today, I just want to encourage you, if you're here today, and maybe you're going through a trial, maybe you're going through a trouble right now, maybe you're going through a suffering, and maybe some people know, and that's awesome, and may, or maybe no one knows. Maybe there's something inner going on inside. Maybe it's that depression has just gripped you. Whatever it is, man, don't leave this place today without talking to someone. There'll be pastors at the exits on the way out today. We'll be up here at the front. Lydia will be here as well. Or maybe there's a trusted believer in Christ that, that you trust that you just maybe need to confess and talk to a little bit about this. What were you going to say? And going back to the, the story with being, you know, in this battle with no armor and everything like that, it was definitely Jesus that was bringing those pieces of armor back to me, but it was also people that was helping me put those pieces back on as well. So yeah, I mean, definitely if you are going through something with that small, big, whatever, like really like this is what the church is for. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live life together and to be real with each other. And so I really would just encourage you like to talk to somebody, get a mentor, get someone to disciple you so that you don't have to walk through it alone. Would you mind closing this? Yes, up? I'll pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for um, this day. And we thank you for being able to come together so freely, Lord, and worship you. God, I thank you for being a patient God, a loving God. I thank you for being a sovereign God and someone that we can put our hope in. I thank you for salvation, Lord, um, something that none of us deserve. I thank you for the cross. Lord, I just ask that you will give us the strength um, to be able to talk to people, Lord, and, and to reject the lies of the enemy, God, saying that we are forgotten, that you don't care, and that you were not, you are not in our circumstances, Lord. I just ask that you will help us to fill those lies in with truth and put the people in our lives um, that need to be there, God, to help us along this journey. Lord, we just thank you again for everything that you do in our lives, and we thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.